Well, in the past, most patients with small adrenal masses would undergo total removal of their adrenal glands, called an adrenalectomy. However, today there's a new, less invasive procedure that's now being used to correct this problem with very encouraging results. Here to tell us more about all of this is Dr. Gennady Bratslavsky. He's the chairman of urology at Upstate Medical University, and joining us is Erica Searles. She's a patient who has successfully experienced this procedure. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. So, Dr. Ratzlowski, let's begin by helping us all understand what exactly are the adrenal glands and why are they important? Adrenals are a parrot organ that is anatomically located inside the body. Live, uh, they both live right above the kidneys, uh, kind of towards your back, but more towards the middle of the body. They are exceedingly important for our everyday function and uh, they produce something known as hormones depending on which part of the adrenal is active at each given moment we have appropriate fine balance of these hormones to help us with numerous functions control of our salt control of our sugar even control of some of our sex hormones and including of our survival flight or fight hormones that are also made in the adrenal to allow us to maintain our blood pressure, sometimes even regulate our heart rate. So things like uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, androgens, estrogens, aldosterone, cortisol, those are all the hormones that are made by the adrenals. Estrogen is typically made in ovaries, but some of the pre-estrogen precursors and some of the hormonal, uh, other hormones that you have mentioned are made uh, in the adrenals. So are the adrenal glands essential for life? Absolutely. The person would not be able to survive without the hormones made by adrenals for more than 24 hours. So you mentioned that they're paired. So much like the kidneys, there are two of them? That is correct. Paired means two of them, like one on the left and one on the right. Okay. So what is what are these tumors of the adrenals? Why do they occur? What causes them? And, and in effect, are they life-threatening? So the multitude or variety of tumors in adrenals are uh, enormous. In terms of anything from the size of the tumors to location of the tumors, to the function of these tumors. As I mentioned earlier, adrenal has several layers to it. While the gland is quite small, and the size of it is maybe a couple of inches uh, in the longest dimension, although a very thin couple of, length, uh, couple of inches, the, there are several layers and each one, as I mentioned, is responsible for a certain type of hormones. Therefore, tumors will make often these hormones depending on where in the layer of the adrenals they appear. While on the examination with your eyes or on a regular scan, uh, such as a CAT scan or some specialized X-ray, one may see that it appears to be very... Uh, uh, homogeneous or I would say very uh, uniform in its shape and appearance 
inside it's a very very complex gland so exactly so you're saying that it's small it's quite complex depending on the layer it produces different hormones the balance of which are essential for life but what causes the tumors are these tumors benign generally malignant generally and if left untreated do they go on to basically threaten one's life yeah, these are all outstanding questions so first of all the there is a variety in terms of being benign or malignant of these tumors in the adrenals the vast majority of these tumors are benign although when the tumors uh, may reach certain size depending on where they are they can spread and can they therefore even if they're benign they could interrupt the functioning of the adrenal absolutely by being benign it does not mean that it is quiet or harmless or harmless being benign by definition means that it does not spread or has not spread yet but at the case of adrenal tumors while they may be quote-unquote non-malignant they can still be very active hormonally meaning that they will produce lots and lots and lots of substances that can very negatively affect somebody's blood pressure heart function salt balance, uh, sugar balance, weight, bone density, eye exam. So there are many, many things that can become extremely harmful from dysregulation or from these tumors. So Erica, getting to you, thank you so much for coming here to talk to about, about your experience. What were you experiencing when you first started having issues? Tell us about that in terms of symptoms and what it felt like to you and Tell us your story. Thank you. About a year ago, um, I noticed I was having severe headaches, heart palpitations, sweating, back pain. I was uh, anxious. I had a little bit of depression. And I had this feeling that I was going to die, just this uh, impending doom feeling. Um, and then a year ago, this month, I went into heart failure. Ended up in the hospital for a week. And um, So this wasn't all in your head? It was not all in my head, <laughs> no. Um, I did think it was all in my head during the, you know, the, the months previous to this. Um, I, uh, the heart failure was originally called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Um, my heart was misshapen. Um, but what had happened was... Um, and let me just interrupt yes. you. You had no prior history of any kind of cardiac issues none, prior to this? None whatsoever. So this kind mm -hmm. of came out of the blue for you? Yeah, out of the blue, completely. And it, as we know now, it was because of the, these hor the hormone disruption. Um, the, the, the extra adrenaline running through my system was what uh, triggered the heart, the heart failure. Um, I was home recovering for months and months and just wasn't quite feeling wasn't feeling myself as I, I should have. Let me back up a little mm -hmm. bit. So you had all these symptoms. What led you to know that you had a problem with your heart? Did you feel like you were having a heart attack I at did. one point? Yep. Yes, well, uh, January 28th of last year, yes. I just felt like I was having a heart attack. I had sweating and chest pain, terrible chest pain, and all of the typical symptoms, nausea. And what um, did you do then? We, uh, My husband took me to the hospital, and I was admitted. Um, with, and they did, the, they did a an angio uh, to see to look at my heart and discovered and an echo also and they discovered do you mind my asking you don't have to tell me exactly but how roughly how old are you or were you at the time I was 44 the time. okay so mm -hmm. in a way very unusual to have a heart attack well I guess these days more women are yeah. having these kinds I of I had clear episodes. arteries low blood pressure no no indication at all that I should have any heart issues and so what happened when you got to the hospital or following that 
Um, I, I was sent home on beta blockers, which is a, a medication to regulate my heart. Um, I took those for at least six months. Um, so you recuperated from that incident. Mm -hmm. Did they did. have any sense of why you had this problem? No. It, um, usually uh, a cardiomyopathy like that happens. It's, it's a stress cardiomyopathy. So it's um, if someone's home burns down or they lose a child, this, this, it can be a, a sudden onset of this. So um, a reaction, had, basically right. that whole flight or fight, which is what Dr. Ratzlowski right. was talking about, could be going full bore and cause a change in your heart. Yes, and I didn't have any of those symptoms or any of those um those occurrences. occurrences that would have that would have caused that to happen. So, yeah, they were they were a little baffled by why what it was. I also had low blood pressure, and and generally, uh, the pheochromocytoma would present with high blood pressure, and I had very low blood pressure. So, so we went you, for months yeah, without um, without any any reason that this had happened, and but I was recovering, just wasn't feeling quite myself, and went back to the cardiologist and asked, um, you know, I I just want to make sure I'm doing okay. He put me on more beta blockers which I think may have made me more sick. I'm not sure that that was the, the right thing with the FIO. And um, I found, uh, doing re some research, uh, I found a correlation between pheochromocytoma and adrenal tumors. And you saw somewhere in some literature that you could have had some kind of adrenal problem causing it. Yes. Okay, yeah, exactly. and then? Mm -hmm. So then um, I found, uh, I, I went to my primary care physician and asked him to, to run a 24-hour urine test, which is the, which is the, I guess, the first test that you have done for this. He did it and called me a couple days later and said, Mrs. Searles, you have a tumor. I cheered because I was very excited to have an answer. Um, I found a surgeon in Rochester, New York, who would um, take me on and do a total adrenalectomy. And then, as luck would have it, uh, my daughter and I were doing some further research, and we found that Upstate was having a an international conference on this very topic, and we found Dr. Bretzlowski, who does partials. So I'm very happy to have not had a total adrenalectomy with a very large scar. Um, I have a few tiny little scars, and I have my adrenal gland left, so very wow. excited. Well, let's go back to you, Dr. B. So basically, why is it, well, first of all, if you can't exist without your adrenals, obviously a total adrenalectomy doesn't mean both are taken. That is correct. Usually only one. Only one, assuming the tumor is only in one. Correct. All right. In this case, why would you want to do a partial? And tell us a little bit about what the, the, um, the standard has always been in terms of the, the total. So the standard for many, many years has been a total removal of adrenal gland in case the tumor is found that needs to come out. Also, standard procedure for many, many years was a procedure through a big incision, uh, you know, known as open total adrenalectomy. So you basically the whole you basically do a large incision. It's a long operation, and all and the it's things. It's a longer recovery. A longer recovery, which is always the case with open versus these less less minimally invasive, and. Uh, the, of course, with minimally invasive, uh, invasive surgeries, uh, many have been performing adrenal surgery now without making these big open scars. But the concept of partial adrenalectomy or removal of a tumor with uh, leaving a uh, normal portion of the adrenal has really not penetrated the urologic or surgical practices 
worldwide as commonly as we wished. Now you had experience in your earlier years in training with this exact procedure. Tell us about that. That is correct. Back at the National Cancer Institute or National Institutes of Health, where I have done my uh, fellowship in neurologic oncology and later actually stayed as a senior surgeon on staff there, I have done many of these procedures. The partial. The partial procedures. So that was gaining traction or interest within the NCI, within the National Cancer Institute. That is correct. And maybe in a few centers worldwide. There was one center in Germany that was performing these procedures. There were uh, uh, there were a center in uh, Japan, uh, one in Austria. But usually, the standard of care has been remaining the removal of the entire adrenal. And your question is, why remove the tumor and not remove the whole adrenal if you have the other adrenal left in place? And it addresses your earlier question, for which I have not really given a full answer, is what is causing these adrenal tumors. What we're learning now is, in Erica's case, something like pheochromocytoma. We used to think that only 10% of those were caused by the specific genetic mutation. As we're learning now, the genes or alterations in the quote-unquote genetic code may be responsible for much larger percent of these tumors to appear. Especially in younger men and women, we are learning that the earlier onset of this problem means that there is a higher chance that the other side may also be affected and may also develop tumors later on in life. That would certainly make the procedure much more challenging as it may lead to a removal of the other side and in that case would render patient be without adrenals requiring lifelong medications to be alive. Hold that thought. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with urologist Dr. Gennady Brotslavsky and patient Erica Searles. We're talking about a new lesser invasive procedure to treat tumors of the adrenal glands. So if you had to take, if you did an adrenalectomy, a full adrenalectomy on her to start, the chances are greater with this kind of a case that she could develop some tumors of the other adrenal gland and you would basically render her without adrenals eventually you might have to that is correct nobody has a crystal ball today to predict which of the patients that develop tumor on one adrenal gland would develop tumors on the other side another important point is to understand that adrenal glands are not a safe organ they are often an organ that is affected by numerous, numerous conditions, anything from infection to trauma to, God forbid, the uh, metastasis from many, many other organs. So they so, can they can basically be um, the subject of they they can be affected by other cancers within exactly the body. That is exactly correct. Other cancers and numerous conditions in several papers, and manuscripts and book chapters that I have published on this very topic. I actually have a very specific table that often refers to the fact that adrenal glands are not safe. And just by because you remove one and leave the quote-unquote normal adrenal gland behind, the life, uh, the life chance of a patient experiencing something happening to the adrenal 
is still not insignificant. It still is, you know, one in a hundred to one in 50 people will be affected. And while indeed the chances are small, somebody wins a lottery, and the one in 50 to one in a hundred chance is actually not that small when you look at the medical populations, those that potentially may require lifelong medications. So when you say that, let's, I wanted to understand that a little better. So the consequence of having to basically remove both adrenal glands in, a, in the worst case scenario would mean the person could survive, but they would have to be on a full regimen of lifelong hormones, is that it? That is exactly correct, the lifelong regimen of hormones. And we have certainly gotten much better uh, in terms of hormonal replacement in case of those patients that have no adrenal surgery except hormones are given once or twice a day and this is not how adrenals work they work to a point of milliseconds adjusting to threats that we experience adjusting to outside environment adjusting to controlling the uh, our need the needs of our bodies so i one of my slides that i have in my talks is do not get stressed because adrenals are given adrenal hormones are replaced twice a day. It's not like we get stressed twice a day. Our human body undergoes stress numerous, numerous times. So it's a less satisfactory way to live. I mean, it's, it's, you can exist, you can live, but basically if, you have, if you're on a full-time regimen of these hormones, it doesn't really replicate what the normal natural cycle is. Correct, but other than satisfaction, it could be life-threatening. Because if somebody is about to start experiencing an illness, undergoes an emergent procedure, has a virus even, if the adrenal replacement or this hormone replacement is not adequate, that is, that is needed for the body, many people end up hospitalized. And this is something known as Edisonian crisis, still associated with about 3% chance of dying from this. So the bottom line is it leaves you very vulnerable that is correct. If you were to have to remove both adrenals. And in this case, by doing the partial, you're really continuing to keep the healthy part of that gland intact. That is correct. So what else was kind of groundbreaking about doing it this way? I mean, the, the idea of using the minimally invasive approach you said has been done for a total adrenalectomy. Was it very difficult to do a partial under those circumstances? Yeah, so in Erica's case, uh, the tumor that she had is typically located in the heart of the adrenal, right in the middle. So the, the location of it makes it extremely challenging. Also, this tumor was located behind the largest vein in the body uh, called vena cava, and we had to perform some important surgical maneuvers to get it. Additionally, we have done it with a robotic assistance, something that we certainly can offer. And uh, in the follow-up imaging and the hormonal tests, we were very pleased to see perfectly looking residual or remaining uh, adrenal gland, even though right now there is no tumor and the patient, Erica, did have the surgery, we are able to see, and I would have never guessed that she had a tumor on the side that was operated on. So right now, she can live her normal life without being threatened, if God forbid, the tumor is to develop on the other side. Wow, that's wonderful news. Erica, how are you feeling? I feel fabulous, thank you. Tell me, tell me what changed following your surgical recuperation? What I did you, am what did you notice? The night. I have no headaches. I have not had a headache since the surgery on September 14th, and it is life-changing. Um, 
I just feel at peace and I have my life back. Well, that's very exciting news. And do you see very, very little time we have left, Dr. Vaslavsky, do you see this as significant in terms of the future of other kinds of minimally invasive techniques? Does this kind of add to the armamentarium of people making that case? Yeah, I certainly think that the minimally invasive surgery is here to stay. Uh, we do have a very active, ongoing robotic program at the upstate, anywhere from urologic oncology to hepatobiliary surgery to general surgery uh, to otolaryngology, ENT, uh, where the minimally invasive uh, surgery is performed. The fact that we were able to get Erica out of the hospital in less than 48 hours was admirable. The fact that she had such a recovery was very encouraging. Thank you both so much for sharing that with me. My guest has been Dr. Gennady Bratzlavsky, the chairman of urology at Upstate Medical University, and Erica Searles, a patient. Thanks so much for coming in. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.